This is the Oanda Podcast. Brought to you by Jazz FM's Business Breakfast. Welcome back to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast. Brought to you with the Jazz FM Business Breakfast and now available on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. I'm Johnny Hart. Each week we review the stories that made the business and market headlines with Oanda Senior Market Analyst Craig Earlham. And it's a very good afternoon to Craig. How are you doing? I'm good as always, mate. How are you? I'm pretty good. Another dramatic week. What was your market moment of the week? It's been a weird week, I find. It's been interesting. There's been a lot going on. And if we look at this historically, you would say that this has been quite a dramatic week, as you say. But maybe we're just getting a bit bored of the same discussions. We're talking about Brexit. We're talking about Trump. We're talking about this, that and the other. And while there are developments... We're at a point now, particularly with Brexit, and that's this. This effectively comes to my market moment of the week. We had the meeting in Salzburg uh, between Theresa May and the 27 other uh, leaders, and they've effectively rejected her Chequers plan. The reason why this is so significant, like this, is a massive personal blow for Theresa May. She has effectively said in the lead up to this, and I think this is from what you read in reports. This has really angered her counterparts elsewhere across Europe. She said ahead of this, it's Chequers deal or no deal, trying to stand firm on her proposal. The problem is her proposal doesn't have support in the Tory party, it doesn't have support in the Labour party, and it doesn't have support in Europe. And people have publicly said that prior to this meeting. So I don't know what she was hoping to achieve from that. It seems she may have ruffled a few feathers because rather than coming out and suggesting that there's workable points here, which seem to be the plan beforehand, they just come out and flat rejected checkers as unworkable. So this is a massive personal blow for her because it shows her to be weak. It shows her to be weak at the worst possible time ahead of the Tory party conference. There's already people there who are questioning her leadership abilities people within the party who have leadership beliefs of their own we were looking primarily at boris johnson who's going to have a platform in order to express this it really does just come at the worst time we're months away from the deadline we're months away from the exit day and we seem no closer than we were two three four months ago so huge blow for her how much of this is media driven or media speculation as to how big a blow or how much actual progress has been made behind the scenes it's 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 difficult to know but it doesn't look very good she's in a very lonely place uh, no side left right center is really supporting uh, what she's doing and the effect of this meeting in salzburg has been marked in sterling if you're trading sterling it's been a very wobbly week for the pound and we'll talk more about it in a moment but as far as Theresa May and Brexit is concerned, how much more likely are we going in the direction of a no deal compared with, say, last week? This is the thing. Me personally, I don't believe we're heading towards a no deal Brexit. Yes, do you know what? When you put a vote to uh, the public, there's always the possibility of any outcome. And we saw the how unlikely Brexit seemed at the time and how unlikely Donald Trump getting elected seemed at the time. And there's numerous other uh, examples of this uh, that we've seen over the past few years in terms of unlikely events either coming to pass or close to coming to pass. When we're looking at politicians and we're looking at a group of um, politicians who have lived and worked through a crisis, take Greece, for example, There was everyone at one point was talking about Greece will leave the euro. Greece has to leave the euro. There's strong appetite for Greece to leave the euro within Greece. It never came to pass because when all the leaders sat down at the table, they decided that it wasn't really in the best interests of Europe. It really wasn't in the best interests of Greece from a purely debt perspective. And that can be debated since then because of the pain and heartache and suffering that the Greek people have been put through since then. The debt that they're now laden with. 
but all leaders agreed at the time, multiple Greek leaders agreed that they should carry on and they should find a solution unified. And I think that's what's going to happen here. I don't think there's any belief within the EU 20, current EU 28, including Theresa May, that a no-deal Brexit actually benefits anyone and everyone is worse off as a result. And therefore, I believe a fudge will be found. The difference is, from a market's perspective, that belief doesn't necessarily hold true. I think markets are looking at this almost 50-50 right now. And I think the possibility of a no-deal Brexit has certainly increased over the last few months. It's just my personal belief that the idea of heading in that direction is ludicrous from a AU leader's perspective. It is ludicrous, but sometimes bad stuff happens, doesn't it? And we've got the political perspective in this as well. I mean, what you've just said to me strikes me to be quite optimistic in, in some respects, but we're assuming, A, Theresa May's government will survive, B, that there won't be necessarily another referendum, which a lot of people are calling the people's vote, which could easily happen, and probably won't get through Parliament, even if she does get a deal. It's an absolute mess. And you just, I mean, it's good if you're actually playing the markets, though, isn't it? Because if you go the right direction, you can make quite a bit of money. Well, one thing I think that is almost guaranteed with any of this is that the pound's either going to go significantly higher or significantly lower. Exactly. So I think it's going to be, it's certainly going to be a chart to watch for the next six months or so. Take out the loud Brexiteers uh, within Parliament, and I just don't think there's any appetite in Parliament for a no-deal Brexit. Yes, there's not much appetite for a Chequers agreement, but if you put a Chequers or no-deal to Parliament, I have no doubt whatsoever that they go with Chequers. Yes, the re-smogs of this world would favour a no-deal Brexit, uh, and a few others would probably join them as well. But the numbers, if you take this, think there's 650 MPs in Parliament, I reckon there's around less than 50 who would take a no-deal Brexit. Surely that those in the Labour Party will want to bring down the government, and so they will sacrifice voting against a no-deal Brexit in order to force uh, the end of the, the government and in another election. But do you believe that they will be complicit in a no-deal? Because ultimately, one thing they have done so far is they have hidden in the background, not put forward any significant proposals, because they've thought, well, let, if we give them enough vote, they'll hang themselves. We are literally months away from a deadline, and we don't seem any closer to a deal. My, again, my personal belief is that, the, yes, the EU has rejected outright Theresa May's checkers deal, the Brexiteers in the party seem to really be favouring a Canada plus, 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 plus deal. Uh, and uh, the, a couple of them would happily take a no deal Brexit. And Lib Dems, yes, they want a, a second, a people's vote. And some in Labour want a people's vote. The Labour leader doesn't really want a people's vote because he, then he's got to acknowledge the fact that maybe that he may or may not have voted the way he s- signalled during the referendum. It's like a novel, mess. isn't it, this? I mean, I, I don't think you could possibly even begin <laughs> to write this novel and people would be so confused by the end of it. We, like we say, live I in think... extraordinary times, Craig, don't we? I mean, if, you know, you mentioned Donald Trump earlier on. Trump, Brexit, Corbyn. You could not have predicted this. It's impossible. So what's next? What's next? Well, this is the difference between if we have a vote on a referendum saying it's either checkers or no deal. I actually think the vote for a no deal would be relatively high because there's a lot of Brexiteers who would say, I have had enough of the EU. These negotiations have frustrated me. This is why we voted to leave in the first place. And I reckon there'd be a significant number of people who would vote for a no deal. Not enough to necessarily get it over the line, but a significant number. This is the difference in Parliament. Parliamentarians have a responsibility to vote in whatever way they think is best and they will be held accountable. Let's talk about the markets. It's actually been a pretty good week for the FTSE. Why is that? It's been a good week for the FTSE because it's been a good week for markets overall. been a really uh, weird week because Brexit's not necessarily gone well. The pound's actually done relatively well overall throughout the course of the week, which tends to have an inverse relationship with the FTSE. We've had 
what we'll come to in a second with uh, trade tariffs, which many people thought may have been a market negative. And yet the FTSE's done well. European indices as a whole have done quite well. Asian markets have done quite well, particularly in China, which had suffered quite considerably on the prospects of no tariffs. And we've had record highs in the Dow and record highs in the S&P 500. And the record highs in the Dow is the first time since January. So the markets haven't necessarily been performing in line with what you would have expected if on Sunday night you said, this is how the week's going to kind of pan out. How do you anticipate the markets will respond? And I think that's because there's an element of a lot of this Brexit stuff that we've had this week has been noise. We've had comments from cabinet members who say there's an 85 to 90, 90% chance of a deal done. We think it will be by October. You've had the IMF negative warnings about the economy and effectively catastrophic warnings about the economy in the event of a, a no deal Brexit. That's been causing volatility. We've had constant comments from different officials with regards uh, to the Salzburg meeting. We had the Mark Carney hangover as, uh, as well, predicting a 35% fall in the property market, which is still being talked about. It's still being talked about, which is one of, in my eyes, the most ridiculous story I think I've heard out of this break, old Brexit scenario in the last two years. This was a stress test. A stress test takes the worst case scenario, which is extremely unlikely to happen, and sees whether the banks can sustain it. Well, perhaps it, the Bank of England governor should have been more careful with his words, realising that the headlines wouldn't have actually told the actual story. But then equally, I think the media has a responsibility to report accurate information, whether you're oh. right-leaning, <laughs> left-leaning, Remain or yeah. Brexit, to twist something to such an extent, I think was incredibly irresponsible. I actually saw a, a headline on Bloomberg earlier this week, and it read something along the lines of, Bank of England warns, worst-case scenario is unlikely to happen. Of course it's unlikely to happen. It's a worst-case scenario. That's the entire point of this and yet we're having to explain ourselves because the media can't be trusted to just report accurate information everything has to be here's the story am i a brexiteer or am i a remainer it's absolutely ridiculous and no wonder people are frustrated and what we should be realizing is why are we directing all our frustrations out of the country most of the problems we have most of the frustrations actually lie with what's happening within it. And recent years suggest that the worst case scenario never actually happens. Think of the financial crisis. Think of Greece you mentioned earlier on. Think of the effect of the vote for Brexit. The worst case scenario didn't happen. And the chances of that happening are even more remote. And do you know what? If we'd have, been, if we'd have had a worst case scenario prior to 2008, maybe we would have, we would have coped better with the actual crisis itself, which, yeah. did, which did, we, were, we did become engulfed in. Like I say, a lot of this is noise. And especially with regards to the trade wars, which we'll come on to, a lot of it is already priced in. It's noise based on facts that aren't actually changing. And I think that's why the markets have effectively done okay, is because nothing we've had this week is new and unexpected news. We mentioned sterling a few times and it uh, rose earlier on the week because of those uh, inflation figures and also we had some retail sales figures as well in the UK. Inflation up to 2.7%. Many economists have predicted 2.4% and of course that has increased the likelihood of a rise in interest rates, hence sterling goes up. I'm kind of taking these figures with a pinch of salt. I think we've had a really good summer here in the UK. The consumer has been spending money because we've had this really good weather. We had the really good World Cup. Seems like a distant memory now. It seems like a distant memory, <laughs> but you walk out on the streets two months ago, a month ago, two months ago, people yeah. were out in the bars, they were out in the restaurants, they were on Oxford Street, they were having a good time, they were spending money. And that it was brilliant. It really has been one of my favourite summers for years, if I'm perfectly honest, because of that real positive feeling, um, regardless of the political backdrop. Not forgetting that you became a dad as well. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, that, I, maybe I am a bit. I think you should mention that. that. <laughs> yeah, that, I am a little bit biased on that front. It really was a great feeling, and that's been reflected in these retail sales figures. We've had three strong months: June, July, August of strong retail spending. I think CPI is related to that. I think these shops and everything, as they're saying, well, this could actually be a quite a challenging end to the year. Now it was a challenging first half of the year. Let's make hay while the sun is shining. We'll put up prices a little bit. Take full advantage of the fact that people may pay a little bit more to go out to the pubs and restaurants right now, watch the football, enjoy the sun. This is our time to make a bit of cash because the next three months may not be so well. Mm. The next few months, you're going to have people who are going to, well, if they've spent a lot in the last three months, maybe this three months we'll see less spending because they'll be in a bit more savvy with their cash. The weather's not going to be as good, so there's going to be less pulling people out. People may be getting ready for Christmas, having had an expensive summer. And I think that's going to be reflected in the CPI and the retail sales figures. So while it's really good to see a good Q3, I think Q4 may be challenging as a result. And any chance of a, a rise in interest rates a bit earlier than we thought? Not for me. Um, I think... This year, the Bank of England's going to hide in the shadows. There's negotiations going on. They've had their rate hike this year. I don't. The the when they go, when they raise interest rates next is going to be highly influenced by the result of that these these Brexit negotiations. So why why rush something when you've only just acted? Take your time. Slow down. Let's see where we are in 2019, and I think that's going to be the view of policymakers. Let's cross the pond, Craig, and talk about those tit-for-tat tariffs. Who's won this week? Is it China or the USA? Neither. Um, We've had tariffs imposed on both countries, and therefore they're both losers as far as I'm concerned. The consumer's going to be worse off because there's more consumer goods in the US tariffs. They have... They did remove certain consumer goods, things um, related to pe- with families with young children, with babies. Were, so there were some products there that were taken out, clearly a political move because they didn't want to hit young families just before, um, or new families just before a, a midterm election. Uh, they did take out some electronics, most notably things like smartwatches, so that Apple was protected because the disruption it could cause to their supply chains. And then the significant markup that could potentially have on uh, products that are already extremely expensive. Uh, and people are already paying a premium for the prospect that you're going to charge people more again for these products. Um, Again, just at a time making them feel worse off just heading into a vote would have been a politically silly move and they've realised that. And China's imposed tariffs of their own as much as they possibly and feasibly can for now. The the, the interesting thing is who who acts next because China responded extremely quickly to the US's move. We had $200 billion of tariffs imposed on China, immediately $60 billion returned. They worked it as more of a percentage than matching pound for pound or dollar for dollar as it were because they are running a huge deficit and do export less to the US. Trump threatened prior to this that if they come back with counter tariffs he will immediately look to impose 257 billion dollars more of tariffs on the US. That's the rest of what the US imports from China and uh, begin phase three as, as he referred to. We've not heard anything yet which I think is quite um, interesting on that front. I believe China also ref- referred this to the WTO again because of these latest tariffs and I think China's looking elsewhere to try and get under the skin of the US as well. We had games, should we call them, with Russia uh, was it last week? The dialogue with Russia to try and forge closer trade ties China's talking about the prospect of closer trade ties with the EU. There's been references this week to say that China's looking to to reduce tariffs um, on with other countries to try and encourage more trading with them to replace those lost with the US. Again, this could be a big lo- loss for China because what for for the US uh, in the near term because we've already seen the trade deficit rise over the course of this period because products are more expensive for Chinese people so they are importing less from the US products are still a lot cheaper for the US people because the currency depreciation has wiped out the impact of most of these tariffs and the economy is doing really well so where do we go from here is Trump really going to follow through on 257 billion dollars of products which are 
have a, a huge portion of consumer goods which will ultimately hit the consumer i think the appetite isn't going to be there but i also don't think he's the man t- type of man to back down perfectly summed up there craig bravo to you because that, that was a brilliant synopsis let's talk about uh, rba numbers and the bank of japan meeting what was significant uh, to be honest not too much i think um, we look at the the rba hasn't really changed its stance for a while they've actually suggested that while well, the rate rate hike is going to be higher it's not going to be anytime soon so people are factoring in maybe late 2019 rate hike from the rba so we're going to be waiting some time uh, from them they do have domestic challenges of their own which Steve actually covered a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, so I don't want to go over that too much. They've had housing difficulties, there's employment has been improving, but wages are stagnant. Um, this type, these type of challenges for the economy uh, are going to continue to influence the RBA's decision making and ensure that they don't raise anytime soon or unlikely to. We look at Japan and we're not going to see any any movement there whatsoever for quite some time, I think. And that really came across where interest rates are still at lows. We're still looking at decades long challenge on um, on inflation there. They are making very, 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 very gradual progress, but nothing significant enough that we're going to see a change in policy. OK, what should we look forward to next week then? What are you expecting? Well, next week, I'm looking forward to a week off. So, um, uh, I'm, all right I'm, for some. Yeah, I'm not going to be. Uh, I'm not going to be following things too closely. I'm very much just going to spend time with the 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 new uh, addition <laughs> that you've uh, recently referenced. But we do have uh, some interesting things next week. I think the most obvious one is the Fed decision on Wednesday. We're expecting another rate hike, but there's been a lot of speculation this week that the Fed may look to change part of the language either at this meeting or in December, whether they're going to remove the reference to being accommodative, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it does suggest that they are acknowledging now that they're moving more towards a neutral rate of interest. Are they going to suggest that they're going to go tighter again and look to actually rein in the economy a little bit if they think it's getting a little bit too hot? Some have suggested they may actually not raise rates as many times next year as they've currently alluded to. When are they going to warn about that if that's the case? So I think it is going to be an interesting meeting from a message perspective because I checked the Reuters terminal before I came here. 100% priced in a rate hike next week. Mm. I have never seen that before. Markets so confident they've won 100% price that rate hike in. We do have a few more piece of data, things like UK GDP, etc. But ultimately, it's all about that Fed meeting on Wednesday. And as I always say, politics reign supreme. Markets are being primarily driven by politics right now. And I don't expect that to change, especially now with Brexit and trade wars hotting up. Craig, enjoy your week off. You deserve it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Oanda Market Insights podcast. Don't forget to post a review of any constructive criticism or indeed praise is is welcomed. And uh, yeah, we look forward to your comments. Have a very good week. the Oanda podcast from the team behind Jazz FM's Business Breakfast, a daily early morning 30-minute briefing for the day ahead. On air from 6am. Listen to Jazz FM on DAB, online or just ask Alexa.